Buzzkills Live, the show that exposes as many racist shenanigans as Prince Harry's new book from America's Royal Pains in the Ass. I'm Liz Winston. <laughs> and as always, I'm joined by my co-host, Moji Alamodeal. Hello, and Marie Khan. Hello, everyone. Coming up on today's show, roundly ignored last week amid the GOP septic system flooding the House of Representatives with some amazing news on the expansion of medication abortion. We covered it on the pod, Natch, but today we are deep diving into what it all means with Meg Sassy Stern from the independent abortion provider, Just the Pill. Plus, AAF head writer Alyssa Alduki is here to talk about being a non-binary Muslim comedian doing abortion work and the shenanigans they've been up to exposing anti-abortion politicians. All that and the big stories of the week. But first, I have an update on something we covered this summer about a sketchy dude doing abortions on a boat. Do you remember this story, you guys? Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. It was not nearly as cool as, who are those guys in SNL? We on a boat. I Not, not nearly <laughs> at all. So there's this org called abortoffshore.com, and none of us had heard of it. So we went to their website and saw the logo, and the logo is a mermaid in a tantric yoga pose. And so I was thinking, you know, Maybe an organization that takes pregnant people out to sea and has a, you know, mudflat chicks logo might be a little, you know, sketch. It turns out I was right. So it's just messy. Their website says, you know, they're charging $1,500 for a $500 procedure. They're making people pay cash up front. You have to fill out this like random internet form, which I'm sure that it violates all the HIPAA violations. It says care is being provided by trained providers, whatever that means, and up to 20 weeks legit abortion. But like most people who do 20-week abortions, it's a two-day procedure, and they're saying they can get you in and out in five hours on a boat. So I don't know. It was like, it was really sketchy. And do you remember, Moji or Marie, the features of the boat? Oh, yeah. No, I totally remember because it's, you know, it's on like a boat. It's a uh, climate control. Climate control. <laughs> climate control. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Large uh, sofa style seating. Mm. 42 inch or larger display, which I didn't know you were getting on a boat for your uh, video pleasures. A refrigerator and a microwave, which like, OK, that sounds like a boat, but like. Or that a sound like an set. abortion boat? Or <laughs> no, it doesn't. They don't literally. There's nothing medical here. Like yeah, no, a couch. A couch does not make a doctor. I'm sorry. This basically know. sounds like my living room. <laughs> yeah, with a maybe even a smaller TV emoji. It was wild. And then they like on the Q and A or the the you know not Q and A but like the FAQ. They were like, if you have any questions after your procedure, they have a link to Planned Parenthood. Which also, I didn't know that Planned Parenthood were aftercare providers. I feel like if you... It's all so a mess. exhausting. Yeah, it's exhausting and they it's couldn't messy. even write their own what to do things. Like No. So, you know, and the dudes this running it, John Michael Kimbrough, he's like, doesn't have any medical background at all. I think he owns 
real estate. Anyway, it's all just seems like a giant scam to make money off of people who are super desperate to have abortions. Not to mention there, the offshore piece is offshore of many states that have banned abortion outright. And so where are people supposed to get their aftercare and what are the laws and what is all of it? And it's a mess. If you want to go read more about them, we're going to definitely put links to who they are in the show notes. But the update here is the dude is making a documentary about himself and his Mm -hmm. wife doing this work. Ooh. I'm sorry. We did one Google and his wife's Instagram bio says she's a mermaid. So maybe she modeled for that logo. That oh, again, it's all, all I hear is a porn set. Like, it sounds like, like porn. Yeah. It sounds like porn. Which is fine, but not abortion. <laughs> but also, if his wife is a mermaid, it means that she's incapable of pregnancy. <laughs> Good catch, Liz. <laughs> it also you. means this dude fucks fish. Yeah. This dude is a fish fucker. Yeah. So um, I just feel like you know, if you're charging nearly, you know, triple what it costs to have an abortion and it's and the sketch is fuck and you have the money to make a pat yourself on the back documentary, you are the grossest. You are trash. Yeah. Agreed. Even my oh, dog yeah. thinks so. Oh, no. Barking. I saw that look of disgust that he just gave us. Yeah. So um, that's my little update on that story. You can read all about this and then we'll put the link to his IMDB also in the show notes. But I just wanted to like tell you all that because it was like freaking me out before we got to like all the big stories. Red flag it for people. If you need an abortion and you see that, there are other ways. Yeah. (laughs) If you see a mudflap chick mermaid on a website and you're trying to get your abortion, just avoid it. Don't. Just don't. <laughs> you know, that's just like a rule of thumb. You know, yeah. Marie works at Midwest Access Coalition, which helps practical support. They will help you get a legitimate abortion. And once there's a legitimate boat, they'll get you yeah. there too. Yeah. They mm-hmm. have all the legit. The word legit is legit in their middle is... name. Yes, it is. Can't spell Midwest <laughs> Access Coalition without legit. Not okay, once. Okay, that makes no sense at all. <laughs> <laughs> Should we get to the stories? Lads. All right. So much to unpack this week. Two days into the hoarder House of Representatives term, the GOP majority have already passed two anti-abortion measures. One is a bill called the Born Alive Protection Act, which for those of you following along at home, when you're born alive, you're already protected and people are required by law to be giving you medical care. But what's a Republican Party without creating a law about a fake abortion problem that they won't solve, but say they did? Am I right? Okay. Uh Uh-huh. Thank you. And the second is a resolution condemning spray painting the walls of fake clinics. In a related story, no resolution was proposed condemning the murder of doctors who provide abortion or the firebombing of actual clinics who have been burned to the ground. So we're off to a terrific start on the federal We're like level one year away from that uh burning down in kentucky right didn't kentucky burn down no in the tennessee. tennessee there was a planned Sorry. parenthood burned yeah. to the ground in just tennessee. a year ago just a i year know ago. and file this one under oh my god the irony the department of veterans affairs wants a conscience clause so medical personnel in the military can opt out of performing abortion related services in other words The military wants to make concessions for those who are morally opposed to abortion, but not to actual war. Okay, bomber. I love what you did there, Liz. Okay, bomber, indeed. What the fuck? 
shifting contexts from the armed forces to Texas, which actually isn't that big of a leap. I wish it was a bigger leap. (laughs) Yeah. Just thinking of all the bases that take up space in Texas. But anyways, we find another community of men trying to gatekeep basic health care. Texas electeds are trying to ban teens from accessing birth control without parental consent, claiming that the parental laws are they've just been violated for years now because teens have been able to get birth control. This is just another attack on Title X funded health care in the state. And it doesn't just stop with the targeting of young people. Republican legislators are going after the city of Austin's practical support funding package. That includes travel, accommodation, and childcare costs for abortion seekers that have to leave the city. Mm. Now, I'm going to pivot a little bit west to Arizona for one of the hardest stories that I read this week. Three pregnant people that were imprisoned by the Arizona Department of Corrections came forward about being forced to early induce. This was done to them at 37 and 39 weeks. And the prison even has documentation on all of this. Others that have been imprisoned explained how this is standard practice. While per the state's privatized healthcare company that's based out of Alabama, they deny this, of course. So as a reminder, fuck the prison industrial complex, everyone. Moji, Moji's got some other news out of Arizona, hopefully better. I do, in fact, fortunately have better news from Arizona. The Arizona Supreme Court has ruled that a mother who was put on the child abuse registry because she used medicinal cannabis while she was pregnant but under the care of her doctor to ease her morning sickness, that she has to be taken off of that list. And this is really great news because the repercussions of being on this list has made it really hard for her to find a job. Also, this is great news not only for her, but other people who are penalized for legal marijuana use. And she won't have to end up in one of those fucked up prisons. Yeah. Or, you know, doing something deeply illegal to feed her child. Like, I don't even get it. <laughs> right, like, you have morning sickness. You're literally... How are you supposed now... to survive a pregnancy yeah. throwing up all the time? I have no idea. Also, my favorite state, uh, Florida. DeSantis has, um, uh, what do I call this? Oh, another case of a white man failing upwards. You may remember we talked about the Florida judge who rejected a minor's request for a judicial bypass to have the abortion she needed because she was a C student. He decided that C students, maybe not good students, excellent parents. Uh, Obviously, Florida voters looked at him and was like, hell no, and fired him in the November election. But last week, he was reinstated to a higher court by Governor DeSantis because white men look out for each other, I guess. Also, stupid men want to have even stupider men around them so they Mm -hmm. can look sort of smarter. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And that's basically sums up the governor of Florida. A A for abortion. (sighs) That's that's how you get. (laughs) My God, that is a lot. It's so much, but these stories will be in the show notes if you want to do a deeper dive. And as always, we remind you the best, most up-to-the-minute resource on accessing abortion care and funding for your care is INeedAna.com. All right. Well, let's move on to a couple of stories that resonated with us the most this week. And I think, Marie, you're kicking us off. Yes, Liz. I made the mistake of watching some C-SPAN earlier in the week. Terrible idea. And it just it really reminded me of all the inaccuracies that bigots, first off, are saying that make it into the public record. And we really need to be vigilant in elevating correct and equitable information about abortion. So I was really excited to see that researchers at the University of Tokyo, they're doing that. They just put out a paper on psychological health and pregnancy outcomes and and what they're seeing among people. They looked at four potential outcomes of pregnancy, wanted births, 
abortion, adoption, or unwanted births. And I read this from coming at it from the backdrop of knowing that pregnant folks get bombarded with so much bullshit research. You hear about abortion pill reversals. You get stereotypes about how abortion is going to cause depression. It's going to cause breast cancer, infertility. And these are things that across the board generationally, I know we've all had pitched at us, or we know people that have had those pitched at them. And so it was really refreshing to see. And what was affirmed in this study is that abortion is a healthy psychological choice. And I'm not someone who's had an abortion again. So I'm happy to read this as someone who wants to like support people that know what they need and want. Well, I think we know from what we've what we've read, from what we heard, that the primary feeling that people who want abortions have after they have them is relief. And I can say that as a person who had an abortion um, when I needed one and I was personally relieved. That's anecdotal, but it's my it's my truth. Well, I've had three abortions. So does that count as three people? I don't know. <laughs> but yeah. um, all of them was relief. But, you know, the thing that I find and what what I was so excited that we were going to talk about this is this is a comprehensive study that should be touted by every politician, should be on the news, because what you were talking about earlier, Marie, the quack ass, non-peer reviewed abortion reversal studies and these bullshit studies that are done by the right by hand-selected people to say the regret about abortion, the sterility, the breast cancer, all that stuff that's lies. That stuff permeates so hard, it becomes law. You know, there's laws that certain states have forced doctors to actually read a script to an abortion patient that is full of medical misinformation. And when we have good information like this, and there's another study that we'll put in the show notes called the Turnaway Study that did an exhaustive study on what happens when people are denied abortion care and the actual detriment to their mental health that that faces, it drives me wild. And, oh my God, last weekend, I'm home in my pajamas, checking out Twitter because I haven't been kicked off yet. And horrible live action people, they did a study that was hilarious, where it's literally, this was their study. Brace yourselves. 40% of people who have a medication abortion experience severe pain. It's like, yes. That's literally listed in the side effects. (laughs) It's literally, if you have menstrual cramps, that's what it's like. Shedding your uterine lining is not a party. Also, you know what? 100% of the people who endure childbirth yes. also endure discomfort or pain. Right. That's 100%. Yes. Section or not. Whatever way you decide to get a seven pounds something out of your body <laughs> comes with pain and discomfort. And your vagina does not end up intact. <laughs> if you have a vaginal birth, good luck with that. C-sections, a whole host of other things. But like, it was so manipulative to act like somebody was promising six flags and a puppy and <laughs> some ice cream that and that's what medication abortion is like what medical procedures like fucking great like i'm a wisdom teeth out best experience of my life you know, oh like, yeah i'm I, like wait a minute it's so wild the idea like oh medicine might be uncomfortable <laughs> is a fact thank you live action <laughs> yeah you know what else is uncomfortable working out yeah, yeah. Only 40% live action. Who are you speaking to? (laughs) Your study's real trash if it's only 40%. (laughs) Fuck you. Also, breaking news, water is wet. You know, it is just like, stop with your bad study. So, Marie, um, thank you for laying that out because that was, 
interminable. And, you know, I would say, you know, we don't say this enough, but like, this is one of those stories that like, grab it from our show notes and post it on your social. Cause I think it's good to have this like really strong research out there so that, you know, people can know that when real studies happen around abortion, they're always positive. Yeah, it is. Speaking of not positive though, (laughs) The opposite of positive is happening in Alabama to some fucking horrifying degrees. Oh, yeah. So we cheered last week, right? When we heard that abortion pills will be more readily available at pharmacies, that they can be sent by the U.S. Postal Service, even to anti-abortion states, including Alabama. And Alabama has one of the strictest abortion bans in the country. And one of the selling points of this ban is that it explicitly does not criminalize pregnant people, but instead, not a good thing, targets abortion providers. Well, upon hearing that someone could mail pills to his state, Alabama Attorney General Steve Marshall said, now wait a minute, and got to crafting a statement. Did he say, now wait a minute? Likely, likely. (laughs) He was like, got to crafting a statement. He was like, okay, we cannot use the abortion ban to jail abortion seekers. But Alabama has another fun law a chemical endangerment law that was originally crafted to protect children from things like meth lab fumes. Reasonable fears. Not safe for children. Right. And instead he plans to weaponize that against anyone who tries to use medication to end a pregnancy in Alabama. And I just want to say, Alabama just likes to jail people of reproductive capacity for funsies. Whether or not they're pregnant. Remember that story, Marie, you talked about yes. the woman who was not pregnant yes. and spent a weekend in jail. Yes. Also, I I was looking into this too. And there's been over a thousand cases of people who have been pregnant and they've just charged them done shit to them because of small amounts of marijuana possession or use. And they cannot wait to just criminalize the fuck out of people with the pregnancy capacities. They love it. They've also used this to incarcerate people who've had stillbirth or experienced miscarriage in the state. Like they don't need something ridiculous like medicine uh, or facts to use this to arrest pregnant people. So I think when they start suspecting that someone may have used medication abortion, which is, unless you stick it in your badge, untraceable, they're going to start concocting situations like, oh, probably I'm just speculating here, but like you talk to someone about how maybe you don't want to be pregnant, jail for you. Yeah, they're going to start doing that deputizing shit, Mm -hmm. uh, allowing people to deputize themselves as uh, some kind of, you know, guardians of the unborn galaxy. And it's just going to be some kind of fucked up mess. And watching it to follow suit is going to be ca-fucking-razy. Also, I want to say, because they jail people who are pregnant. And you know what's not a safe place for a pregnant person? Jail. Not a safe place for a pregnant person. So I don't know who they are supporting in these laws. I don't know who they think they're making safer. But it's not children of people who are nearly pregnant. It's not the fetuses of people who are pregnant, whether they want to be or not. It's not a safe law. Stick to the meth labs, Alabama. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Alabama, you know, <laughs> it's a. It, I mean, I've been there several times, and I have, uh, I have come face to face with their anti-abortion like orcs, and it is some shit. Like they, they're aggro. They're like out in the wild. Yeah. You know, these are people whose maternal mortality rates are the highest in the nation. They're people whose education rates are the lowest in the nation. They're deprived constantly of any kind of 
public health services. And then here they are jailing people who are knocked up. What the fuck? It's wild. Here to help us set the record straight on the amazing reproductive tool that is the abortion pill is Meg Sassy Stern, Outreach and Operations Coordinator at Just the Pill. Just the Pill provides medication abortion through telemedicine and their mobile clinics at state borders. Meg, it is awesome to have you here with us. Hey, Meg. Hey. Hello, Meg. Hello. I wanted you to start by giving us a brief overview of Just the Pill's work. Yeah, thanks, Marie. Just the Pill is a nonprofit abortion clinic. We've been providing care through telemedicine since October of 2020. And since then, we have provided over 4,500 abortions in Colorado, Minnesota, Montana, and Wyoming. And our patients have so far traveled to see us from 33 states. So our abortion delivered mobile clinic program was launched uh, last summer in June 2022, right around when the Dobbs decision came out and undid all the protections of Roe. And since then, we've provided no cost abortions to over 150 traveling Texans. So that's a little snapshot of our work. And I want to highlight for the folks especially that are listening those states you named these are really rural spaces that you all are in and I'm wondering if you're seeing it just the pill how is that because that's kind of a game changer for folks who are not able to get access to all types of health care how have you seen that in terms of the communities you're working with impact yeah thanks for that great question we hear from people who sometimes would have to go 200 miles just to get to a clinic and instead they're able to you know speak with one of our clinicians over the phone from their home and then receive their pills in the mail. So it can make a huge difference for those folks. And additionally, people who have to travel maybe from Texas or Oklahoma, Kansas, one of the other nearby states, as you mentioned, there's sort of vast stretches of rural America between the the lines where legal access is available and, and where we are. So sometimes people will travel sort of just to the state where we provide care, and that does bring access pretty much to the line where they call home. You know, being in Minnesota and knowing the incredible work you do here and and having people who live in northern Minnesota and in western Minnesota, Just a Pill has been an incredible lifesaver for folks who are here. So I just want to personally thank you from one of the big rural states that y'all are really servicing. Also, it people forget that rural folks, they're so thankful that somebody is there and can come and they are often isolated. So that part is also cool. And so we just thought you would be the perfect person to talk to, Meg, because these two massive you know, decisions came down with regards to abortion pills. And we talked about it a little bit on the podcast, but we really wanted to talk to an expert who can sort of lay out who these decisions help, who they don't help, and what we should be asking more of, right? So let's first start with the pharmacies who are now able to dispense the treatment. Can you first off just explain what that change is. Where where were we at, you know, two months ago and, and what does this change mean? Yeah. So the the change now is that more pharmacies are 
in states where abortion is legal are able to to provide mifepristone, which is just one of the two medications commonly used for medication abortion. So there's two medications. Mifepristone is the one that has been kept so tightly uh, regulated by the FDA, and that is what has changed. And then misoprostol is a is a much more commonly accessible medication. That's the second med in the two med regimen. Misoprostol also can work alone. Many clinics do use the the combination, and so do we. So what's changed, thanks to the FDA expanding access to to mifepristone, is that now uh, I think Walgreens and CVS are the are the pharmacies that have said yes, we will we will move forward with being able to carry this. Right? None of us know how long it's going to be before uh, your neighborhood CVS will have it in stock. And additionally, while the new regulation is a really good thing and it will make access to abortion pills easier for some of our patients, it's still going to be really difficult for folks that are living either in a restricted state or if they, as we mentioned, live in a very rural place because, you know, maybe the neighborhood pharmacy has it, but maybe that pharmacist is like your neighbor's cousin, and I'm not kidding, like I'm here in Kentucky where that is how it goes. Mm-hmm. And so if somebody needs, has a high need for security, they might, or or for privacy, that is, they might still have to travel a long way. So it's definitely great that the regulations have changed, but it's really hard to sort of count as a blanket win. Well, also too, reminding people that both of these pharmacies have a history of inflicting harm by using conscience clauses where the pharmacist says it is against my moral beliefs to dispense the medication. And and in many states, they're supposed to legally have somebody there who will do it, but oftentimes they don't, especially in rural pharmacies. And they'll they'll also tip off other pharmacies and say, Someone's coming down the pike and Minnesota has a lawsuit, you know, last year for for this very thing. So, um, you know, looking out for that. What would you say to folks before we move on to the next one, Moji, I think you're going to ask about the mail-in. But we've been reading that, you know, the anti-abortion movement is already planning protests to protest the clinics who have said, yes, we're going to sign on. Any tips for activists around how they should maybe respond, react, send support? So... Pharmacies may face protests the same way abortion clinics have long faced protests. And I imagine similarly to when abortion clinics have opposition sort of outside their front door, it will be different in every place. It will be different in every community. So real opportunity for every community to step forward and make sure that abortion seekers know that it's okay to go get your abortion pills from whichever pharmacy is is best for you. And so it'll be different. You know, I think about clinic setups and things like private property and parking lots and being part of a strip mall. I mean, I think about the, the Walgreens here and it's right next door to Jimmy John's. And I don't think it's going to go over very well if protesters sort of descend on these bigger businesses the way that they've often attacked smaller clinics. So I think we are already at a point where expanded access or access to abortion at all is mostly taking place legally anyway in spaces where there's a lot of community support already. So I certainly hope that the small fringe sort of opposition 
doesn't dissuade any pharmacies or any other businesses. But what I believe is that most people know that all communities need access to abortions and people are ready to show up. So it'll be a a decent opportunity for, for folks to step in and hopefully, you know, maybe they'll find their local abortion fund and become a transport volunteer, start providing aftercare kits. There's all kinds of ways to get involved at that stage. Also, you know what? Anytime horrible anti-abortion people are standing outside of public places and just harassing people. You know, they would come to our comedy shows, standing outside of a Walgreens. It's like, I'm trying to get my Werther's. Who are these assholes? It's funny because that was my vision too. Like, mm, I don't know if I see these anti standing in front of a CVS and it having the same impact. Like it a lot of people are just trying to get in there and get Halloween candy. How's That's that right. going to work? Yeah. And yep. they're not going to, they're not going to be warmly welcomed. And, you know, so maybe they'll try it a few times and then they'll learn like, oh, maybe this is not, a ve- this is me being hopeful, right? Maybe this is not a very effective way to get our message out. So, and I remember here in Kentucky, when I was a clinic escort outside of EMW, you know, of course, everybody knew the Dobbs decision was coming and we would stay focused on on supporting clients. And, and of course, I couldn't help but overhear the antis. And I remember one of them saying, oh, well, once this place closes, we'll be at the hospitals, which of course, like, yeah right you all don't even understand like what's going to happen here in Kentucky <laughs> but also like yeah. good luck good luck outside the hospitals no your target audience will probably never receive your message so that's kind of what i have to say to them is nope yeah eh, nope. Eh, whatever I think that's so smart. And I also just want to button this by saying so often clinics are in spots that don't have a lot of traffic. And so regular people do not see Mm. how aggressive and horrible they are. You put them in the town square, you put them in a larger, more public space. And the public A has spoken on ballot initiatives across this nation two months ago. And Mm -hmm. when they see this shit, they're like, we don't like this is the shit we don't like. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no. I also, Meg, while we have you want to talk about the second big news story, and that is that the Justice Department has ruled that anyone can receive abortion pills in the United States Postal Service mail, even in states where abortion is prohibited. A, like, how is this possible? Uh, (laughs) That's part of it. And then also like, this is hopefully going to be a game changer for people in rural places or states with little or no abortion access, but I'd love to hear you talk about it. Yeah. So again, you know, we think about, and it's interesting thinking too about the question that came up earlier about the pharma, like, do we have a pharmacist on staff that will dispense this medication, right? So it's one thing for the FDA or the USPS or whomever to say like, you can do this. And then it's something entirely different for businesses that are struggling to keep workers right now and for, you know, to like, to have the right hand actually talk to the left. So in this current question about about mailing pills to red states, that might be all well and good until somebody is trying to seek care and taking care of their family and their community the best they can. And all of a sudden, we we have a situation where undocumented communities or families are being targeted by law enforcement when like really somebody just was trying to like take care of their reproductive health care. So it becomes a lot more complex when we start to think about the real and full needs of our communities and also think about things like why somebody might not be able to just go 
two states over to get that legal abortion anyway, right? Because as a Kentuckian, I could very easily anytime go on up to Chicago because I have flexibility in my work schedule. I have a reliable vehicle and I have support to take care of my my life back home while I go do that. People who maybe don't have ID, maybe don't have childcare coverage and can't take time off work are going to have a much harder time. And similarly, people who are attempting to or even successfully self-managing care might face additional challenges that they really just should not have to. So again, I think it's great that there's like an inkling of expansion and whether or not people in rural Kentucky or Texas even know what this might mean for them or how legally safe they might be going ahead and receiving pills in the mail, despite whatever, you know, the USPS is allowed to do, there's still a pretty drastic disconnect. And the people who will be impacted are those individuals. Yeah. And I think too, you know, it's like you said, it's one thing to get the pills. It's the other thing of having the privilege of having a car or a vehicle to go someplace to take them safely and all that. And also too, the layers of invasive legislation that I can envision coming down the pike of, again, allowing neighbors to deputize themselves to, you know, if they suspect someone's having a thing or doing a thing or receive something in the mail that they, you know, it just seems like a a slippery slope that horrible states are going to go down and they just are probably just licking their chops to try to just, be legitimized home invaders. You know, I have this image of the protesters outside of clinics. Can you imagine them standing there like as close as possible to the Walgreens pharmacy counter and like taking notes like, well, she was here. She was here two weeks ago. You know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. It's a lot. Yeah. Just all just being spies, you know, just sitting there the whole time, you know, just like no one pays attention because they think they're just somebody waiting for something. Yeah, you're right. It's a lot. Wow. Because regulations are regulations, right? Like, that's great that you're sort of expanding things in some ways, but it's still just heavily regulated care that all communities need access to. This is the last question, Meg, and it's you're, you're just always great. And you're so smart about all this stuff. And having talked about this and having doing your work at Just a Pill and and just reading at knowing that we're almost at medication abortion being almost 50% of, of all the ways that people have abortions. And yet people are wholly uneducated about the fact that medication abortion even exists. How can we talk to people? How can we spread the word and get people sort of like on the medication abortion train so that they know about it? Yeah, I think I think it's such an important conversation to have in so many spaces. And there's a couple of key points that I think we can all be lifting up. The difference between the morning after pill and the abortion pill. People are still very confused. Mm-hmm. Also, just talk, just talking about access to birth control and possibly being able to work with and be in conversation about how abortion is a form of birth control and these medicines are different, right? So I really Mm -hmm. love Mm -hmm. abortionpillinfo.com is, of course, one of my favorite. That is a website that has very easy to understand, including uh, visual aids for how the medicines are taken and how they work, what people can expect, what is normal, what might need medical care. And there are a number of websites that have information about how to find pills and how they work. And I also really want to lift up making sure people understand that the MA hotline is available. MA stands for miscarriage and abortion. And 
This is a hotline that is staffed by physicians and medical personnel 24 hours a day that is available to support people who are self-managing either miscarriage or abortion, including if somebody has taken medication abortion pills and isn't sure about whether or not their symptoms are, you know, just within normal or maybe something that they need to seek care on. So I think just normalizing the conversation about how medication Abortion pills are incredibly safe, safer than Tylenol. Uh, I will go ahead and throw in my talking point that, honestly, these pills are so safe that they can and should, in my opinion, be available over the counter. Misoprostol is available over the Mm -hmm. counter in many places, and both of the medicines are safer than Tylenol. So... You know, when we talk about normalizing and and just info sharing, I think that the conversation is never done where we make sure people have information and know how to find good information. The the opposition, the anti-abortion people are so good about being deceptive and sneaky. I know you all do incredible work to sort of expose all of their lies, and sometimes they still trick us. So making sure that that really solid information mm-hmm. is available, there's a link tree. L-I-N-K-T-R dot E-E slash A dot abortion. That's one of my favorite kind of one-stop shops because it's got a clinic finder. Abortion pills and medication abortion are not for everyone, which is one reason why at Just the Pill, we're really excited to partner with other clinics. Sometimes people do need an ultrasound before they can take the meds. Sometimes they need a follow-up procedure afterwards. So we're really excited to be able to do what we can in this moment to expand access in whatever ways are are safe. Well, Meg, you are just so great. Just a Pill is so great. And we thank you for so much for coming on to clearing everything up for us. So Meg Sassy Stern, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you all. Thank you, Meg. Take care, y'all. Thank you. You can follow Meg on Twitter and Instagram, Meg Sassy Stern, and you can stay up to date with the work of Just The Pill at Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Just The Pill. In addition, you can sign up for their newsletter or become a monthly donor at justthepill.com. And here we are at the party game that is faster than Monopoly and more fun than Taboo, Six Degrees of Abortion. This is when Marie and I take a story in the news and Liz has six chances to link it to abortion. Last week, I prevailed, but we'll see what Liz is ready for this week. Uh, (laughs) So nervous. I lost last week. You'd be so nervous. This is actually really freaking funny. So In a nouveau showdown of Mayor We Have and Mayor We Definitely Never Were Gonna Have, but he thought we would be. What's his name again? Sliwa showed up at (laughs) Adam's Brownstone in uh, Bed-Stuy with two cats to start a feral cat colony (laughs) to combat Adam's notorious rat problem. That's right. There was a uh, press conference. There was Thor and another cat. I want to remind everyone that Sliwa lives in a studio with 17 cats. Like if there ever was a cat man. He's it. Uh, a studio. Can you imagine? And he uh, has more <laughs> cats than spouses, which yeah. is, that's which impressive. That's a lot of them too. Yeah. <laughs> and so in six degrees, I would like you to link Sliwa to abortion. Oh my God. You picked the wrong day. Oh, no, this was mostly just for the humor of saying that like this fucking happened. <laughs> so when I moved to New York in the bad old late 80s, I was on the subway and, uh, it was late at night and Curtis Lewa 
walked me from my train out of the subway stop and said, I need you, young lady, to have a safe night. <laughs> Did he have any cats with him? Did he have any cats with him? He had no also, cats with him. Believe it was the height. It was the height, height of, of the guardian Lee angels. Of the guardian angels. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. And it was like, remember that time in New York, Moji, when people like liked them and like yes. they had like, it, it was like the guardian angels are guarding the subways and the yes. people on the subway. And like, <laughs> it was like one in the morning mm-hmm. and he was like, ma'am, I need you to get home sick. Less paramilitary crazy people and more like, oh yeah, we need guardians in yeah. New York. I mean, that's a direct, that's a direct. <laughs> that's and one then degree. of course, I am abortion. Yeah. <laughs> I am abortion. One degree. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I brought Curtis Lee to me and then me and I've had three abortions. So, and abortion access, right? We CMS. just wanted to tell that story because that story is fucking ridiculous. Yes. I know that's story. Was, and the photo was very uh, wild. There's a TikTok, yes. and that's what we're putting in the show notes, just so you know. Yeah, yeah, TikTok. yeah. I feel like that's really good. All right, <laughs> yeah. well, let's move along. As you all know, we cannot do this show without the help of our fantastic sponsors. And but so, wait, wait, though. Okay. Before we move on, Moji and I, Liz, we wanted to pitch a possible new sponsor for the show called Pregalizer. Pregalizer? Mm-hmm. Yes, correct. Okay. We went on a trip to Alabama last weekend. We used it there and it actually was kind of great. Oh my God. Marie and I, we decided to hit the club and like, so the bars in Alabama are administering this brand new state-of-the-art technology called, again, as Marie said, Pregalizer. And it's great because it detects whether whether you're pregnant, either at a bar or at any restaurant that serves raw fish or soft cheeses. Okay, it seems a tad privacy violating, but I... Okay, no, no, see, Liz, the government isn't mandating that you go drinking or eating camembert, right? This is just to help people who may not know they're pregnant make good choices. And it's really simple. You just, you bring a urine sample with you to the bar or restaurant that you're going to, right? Okay, wait, why is bringing a urine sample to a bar making good choices? Well, Liz, so here's out. Okay. We first, you get there, the bouncer, the host, they check your ID. They make their own assessment on whether you're of reproductive age, if they think you can get pregnant. And then they send you to the bartender who takes that urine, said urine, runs it through the pregalizer, and the results come back in just a few moments. And you test negative, you go ahead, you get those rumplemenses, you get those cocktails, or your salmon roll. Maybe maybe it's a Wednesday and it's salmon day. Okay, and what if you test positive? Well, obviously, Maria and I tested negative, but since all results are automatically sent to the Alabama AG, it's a shit, Marie. (laughs) Shit. Oh my fucking God. Are you guys for real? Like, first of all, were you like eating edibles? At what point? Maybe. I I may have had my quarter of an, it seems so smart. It seems smart to bring your pee to a bar and then give it to a bartender. You guys, the pregalizer is basically (laughs) the state sanctioned busybodying. But I think you're great. And I think you guys were pre-gaming a little too hard before. And so uh, when it comes to the pregalizer, I'm going to say hard pass on any kind of sponsorship. But um, maybe you need other things to help you two make better choices. I feel <laughs> that's where we're going. Maybe All the right. problem was we went to Alabama. We should have rethought that, Marie. From the- I mean, yeah, you did make take a vacation <laughs> in Alabama for starters. So, you know, you basically become, I think, what they call unreliable narrator. I believe, <laughs> the term. I believe that is the term. Anyway, you've seen this comedian and writer on Netflix and CNN. They are also a head writer here at AAF. 
please welcome Alyssa Alduki. Hey, Alyssa. Hello, Hello, Alyssa. Hi. Hi. Thank you so much for having me. I mean, we're so excited. We hardly ever have our amazing team on. And for those of you who are enjoying our social media at AAF and the funny memes on Instagram, we have our head writer here who is like the best at shenanigans, the best at dragging like shitheads for filth. And we're going to get to some specifics of that in a minute. But um, we kind of wanted our audience to get to know you, Alyssa, and just talk a little bit about like how you came to AAF as our head writer and why you fuck with abortion as a queer Muslim Arab human. Just a couple light topics. To <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. We're just going to ease you in real easy with a few softball questions, Alyssa. <laughs> Alyssa, what's the conflict in Israel and Palestine all about? Would you break it down for <laughs> 10 words or less? Go. That's what every handyman asks me when he comes over, by the way, just so you know, it's the first question they ask. <laughs> Uh, um, <laughs> thanks so much. I've been I've been at AF for like a little over almost two years now, I which think so. I'm so excited to say almost two years. Um, I started because uh, we had a wonderful volunteer meetings, which I absolutely loved. Came in as a volunteer just because I thought it was a great idea. They were like, "Hey, do you want to come make jokes about abortion?" Um, Chanel Ali was like, "I know you would love this." <laughs> <laughs> and I did. And that led to making TikToks, which uh, it was so thrilling. Thank God I got into that. Making TikToks. And then here we are a year and a half plus more later. Right. Can you imagine if you went the Twitter route? You made uh- <laughs> instead of like... <laughs> It it really allowed me to be my absolute cringiest to put myself on video every day. I feel like I still sometimes feel like, Alyssa, the way that I interact with you the most is through TikTok. I'm like, oh, what are they up to? Oh, that's cool. Oh, that's funny. (laughs) Oh, they got jokes. (laughs) Sometimes I'll post something and everybody, I'm like, oh my gosh, I forgot people see these. (laughs) Yup. I feel like it's sort of the nature of TikTok. It's yeah. I've got people are actually, this is actually yes. a platform. This isn't just me talking to the mirror. Yeah. It's like my, li- my little self-reflection in my hand gets out. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I, you know, I, one of the reasons why I love TikTok is you get to find people who are kind of like you. And that's one reason why I love our TikTok is seeing all the people who feel the way we do about abortion um, and how we want to make sure everybody can get it. And I love that like community building aspect, um, particularly of that social media. Why do I fuck with abortion as a queer Muslim Arab? What a great question. (laughs) One of the few, I've never been asked it before, which feels like a missed opportunity. I feel like it's really a big missed opportunity, mostly because we all, I mean, for anybody who's actually asking that question, they already know the answer. Right. It's like the answer is in the question. The question. <laughs> yeah. I mean, if my mom hadn't had an abortion, I wouldn't be the eldest. And that's some power I'm not willing to relinquish primarily. You know what I mean? Like that is very important to me. So it's very personal. Yeah. I think there are uh, three, oh, three eldest children in this, um, in this chat right now. So it really that is makes a powerful so much place sense. to be. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm baby. Yeah. One of us can't relate. <laughs> but that but look how but look how she's in charge. You know what I'm mm, saying? It's true. It's oh, wait, true. I just want to say that. Do you have a younger sibling? 
I have a very young sibling. So Alyssa, here's a deal. You <laughs> could have had weak ass middle sibling energy. Mm. Very, but thanks to your mother, you have big eldest energy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I texted my brother like instructions to something in the middle of the night the other day. You know how I couldn't have done that if I was a middle sibling. It no. wouldn't have worked out. No. I gotta take care of these Who'd kids. Be paying for your phone bill if you were the middle sibling first off. Oh, I mean, just... don't get me started on paying phone bills for these people. <laughs> oh, yep. Yep. <laughs> Brown eldest sibling and the family phone plan. Yeah. <laughs> 100%. I think because I'm older than you other elder siblings, um, by the time phones came along, it was every man for themselves. Every man for themselves. Yeah. <laughs> I love that the phone was the thing. As the youngest, like you would make the fatal mistake of thinking you could get away with borrowing one of your siblings clothes and having it be okay. And instead having them see you turn the corner at school and be like, oh, don't you ever wear that job? <laughs> <laughs> like I wore it to school. <laughs> like, I'm here. <laughs> it's done. But I get away with wearing my sister's shirt that I didn't ask permission to wear. <laughs> we just had to get doubles of everything. Cause it just, it, I, I was a terror. I was like, you could not tend to be me. (laughs) So Alyssa, for those that don't know you, you're a comic, you're a writer, you're an improviser, you're a teacher of improv. You do all of this stuff in the comedy space. Can we hold? I don't do improv. You don't do improv? I don't do improv. You don't? No. What are we doing right now? Do not let them think that's what. Are we not? Yes. Ending right now. (laughs) (laughs) I feel like I don't know you at all now. I feel like I've been living a lie. I feel like you've been, this is like, you're white lotusing me Mm. (laughs) right now. I'm on the yacht. You're the case. What is happening? It's happening right now. I just watched the ending last night. I give up improv energy because I gave up being a bully. Another eldest sibling trait. (laughs) Interesting. I was was a mean girl and then I gave up being a girl and being mean. (laughs) Beautiful. The growth. <laughs> you know, maybe part of giving up being a girl is like ghost dovetails with giving up a link. Yeah, exactly. Mm. It was like, I don't need that anymore. You can get out of here. Wow. <laughs> okay. So I want to talk a little bit about the fact that we're in this space and we're talking about abortion and we're talking about healthcare. And you are from Kuwait, came here oh. from a place that has free healthcare to a place that is a healthcare shithole. Like, <laughs> how does that square? Although you did not have the greatest experience with free healthcare, I do believe. Yeah. I mean, you know, it's, uh, you get what you pay for. <laughs> <laughs> you get what you pay for. I mean, obviously the access to it that I can just walk in and see a doctor is great here. There's too many steps uh, and it's very overwhelming for me to even get in the door. But yeah, I've had some weird moments. Like my, when I was like 15, I got my first yeast infection and I didn't know what was going on. I just thought I'd fucked up somewhere. I wasn't sure what was happening down there, but I went to my mom's, uh, Our Body, Ourselves and her holistic healing book. And I got out the yogurt and that's when that didn't work. Oh, did you dip the yogurt in the tampon? I, I didn't do that one. I was like, let me just, let me just 
slather, you know, mm. like an exterior. <laughs> How did that work out? Yeast yeah, yogurt? it didn't work. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was just, I immediately washed it off. I think it was like, I got it. I can't do this. So we did end up going to the doctor and I'll never forget walking into this room with my mother, of course, because you have to go with the gendered parent. Um, and I walk in and there's like three or four women in this room. Cause every time you walk into like any sort of bureaucratic place, there's like four or five people drinking tea and eating biscuits at any given time in a government building. So there's like so many women in this room. And my mom's like, Alyssa has a yeast infection. We need the suppository because we tried the creams and it hasn't worked. And they all looked with this death ice glare. And they said, we cannot give your child the suppository. And my mom was like, why not? And they go, well, is she married? Because it was a suppository and they wanted to maintain my precious virginity. And just, and my mom was like, the cream is doing. And they were like, well, then. Mm, So you continue to bake bread. That's a virgin though. Yeah, but that's not how virginity works. (laughs) No, not at all. They weren't I mean, virginity is a construct, but also like, <laughs> yeah. Even oh if they my get God. Oh. Yeah. So yeah. it was so back. Not it, only was it like. Mm-hmm. Back, back to, to the yogurt. So what back is the do? yogurt? Well, my mom was like, we're not going to take this answer. So we tried. An, I don't know how many more doctors we tried, but we eventually got to this young guy. And my mom was like, listen. These broads would not let us get the suppository. You know that that is what we need. And he was like, I'm going to say it's for you or something. And like figured it out and got me the medicine I needed. And then I went on a trip to Beirut where everybody made fun of me for having an itchy crotch and having to shove medicine up my cooter every night. <laughs> but I had the medicine to shove up my cooter. And I yes. think about that young Egyptian doctor every day. But I do like the fact that everyone was making fun of you, which seems like an unforced error, meaning you told everyone that you were shoving yeah. things in your cooter. <laughs> and maybe, maybe it could have been information to withhold to spare said humiliation. Well, I, don't know. I was waking up my roommate in the night because it was so itchy. I'd be like having vaginal night terrors of some sort. This is a great segue. Because <laughs> as you were uh, searching for some kind of healthcare and being turned down, you've been doing this hilarious experiment where we here are just so sick of politicians acting like they're doctors that you've decided just to call them up and treat them like doctors and see what their response would be since they are pretending to be like doctors and they are turning away, making healthcare decisions. And I think you recorded yourself. Tell tell us a little bit about like oh yeah this journey and who you talked to. And then we're going to actually listen to your conversation. <laughs> um, well, it was a lot of fun. And I think this is a great like exercise. And if you're very nervous on the phone, just call these assholes up and say, say insane, insane things to them. So I called up Briscoe Kane in Texas. Yeah. Oh my God, we oh, love Briscoe Kane. Oh, short man energy in the worst <laughs> yeah. way. Oh, oh not a heightist, but a, a heightist against him. <laughs> he calls him miniature Chucky. Yeah, fun size Chucky. Fun size Chucky doll. Yeah. Um, Well, whoever answered the phone for him also uh, played perfectly into the plan. And I can't believe this was, I got this call on the first try, but it was a lot of fun and I highly recommend it. (laughs) Oh my God. So let's listen. So for those of you that don't know Briscoe Kane, we just went off on Briscoe Kane. We didn't tell you. Briscoe Kane is state rep in. 
Texas, and he is one of the authors of He's an author of every single one of the anti-abortion bills. He does look like a fun size Chucky so doll. Fun, yeah, he looks for like sure. exactly like a fun size um, Chucky doll. And he is constantly in league with white supremacists. He's in league with anti-abortion extremists. He, If there is something you're not for, guaranteed that Briscoe Kane is leading the charge to make sure it happens, whether it is teaching CRT, whether it's like harming trans youth, whether it is banning any kind saying that we need to teach both sides of the holocaust briscoe kane is on board and so i cannot believe you called him and i cannot wait so here's Alyssa calling up briscoe kane's office and let's see what happens legislators want to act like doctors then let's treat them like they are i'm about to call briscoe kane in texas to see what he thinks about that hello i'm calling to leave a message for dr kane Okay, go ahead. Thanks. I've seen the laws coming out of this office dictating my medical decisions, so I assume um, Dr. Briscoe Kane is my new OBGYN. I'm I'm thinking of getting pregnant, but I've had some complicated pregnancies in the past, and I just have some questions for him. Okay, great. It would be really neat that you don't kill the baby, so... Okay. When does life of the mother... Can you just clarify what that means? What exactly Mm -hmm. constitutes... Substantial impairment of a major bodily function. Okay, so like shallow breathing or a death rattle or like does it have to be full rigor mortis for it to count? Yeah, substantial impairment of a major bodily function. Okay, super. So if I start hemorrhaging at Walmart, do I call your main office line or do you have an after hours line I can call? Yeah, well, I mean, you, you could call the after's hours line, I suppose. Can they just warm up the speculum before I come in as well? I just don't like it when it's cold. Can you warm up what? The speculum before oh, I come in for my cool. appointment. Yeah, we're not a real medical office, sorry. Oh. Yeah. That's a bit of a shock. If life begins at conception, where does my life end? Oh, yeah, yeah. So your life is separate from the child's life. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. And yeah, um, yeah. so, okay, next question. If you don't take my insurance, would you take my rapist's insurance just in case? Hmm. Like, like if I'm forced. Sorry? Uh, I'm sorry. We've, we've got to go. But uh, that was a really good question. Have your day. Okay, well, I just. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Wow. Oh my God. Oh my god. Oh my god. That was after hours. I like that. Just he was killed the baby. Speculum ticked him off suddenly. <laughs> that, that maybe you knew a little more than he did about what was going on. Like, what the fuck? I think the guy who answered the phone is one of those guys who actually doesn't hear women when they talk. Because he was not listening. Oh, my God, Alyssa. <laughs> so, like, this is so incredible. I know that you've been working on a script, like, and follow. Did you just follow the script and just, like, keep plowing through? Because it was so, you were so calm. Yeah, I had, I had a script. I followed through. I had a couple options. So I actually ran through, like, two and a half scripts because he kept letting me talk. <laughs> You know, my one regret is I didn't get to use my fake name, which was Celia Holup. And I was really hoping (laughs) that I would get to use that. Um, Alyssa, that is 
Amazing. And <laughs> did you videotape yourself doing it? Oh, I did. You did? Oh, nice. Oh my God. So we're going to have to definitely listeners, we will be putting that into the universe. And I highly love that. Like we were desperately trying not to laugh over the thing. And it was incredible. Alyssa, we're so glad you're on our team. Please come back when you have more shenanigans going on and fill people in on all of the amazing stuff that you are doing because we are so excited you're on our team. Thank you so much. I love being here. Love you guys. Love you, Dukes. Thanks. Love you too. Thank you so much, Alyssa, for joining us. For more info, check out their website, thedukeness.com. And follow them on social media at thedukeness on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok. And thank you to Meg Sassy Stern from Just the Pill for also joining us. Again, for all the info on both of our guests, check out our show notes. And thank you so much for listening. We want to be a reliable info hub and a source of humor as we face these really hard times. We're in this together. We got you. So subscribe, write a review, give us five stars. It's the best way for our podcast to reach more people. And by doing so, you're helping more people learn about this assault on abortion access. To keep up on the latest repro news, follow on our socials, Abortion Front, on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, and YouTube. FBK Live is edited by Remy DeTournay and is produced by Abortion Access Front. Looking for somewhere you might fit in to do some abortion activism? Look no further than our five-part training series, Operation Save Abortion, available in video and podcast form. Gather some friends, watch or listen together, and follow the activity guide for a full experience. Details on the series are at operationsaveabortion.com or right here on our FBK Live platform. And make sure you check out the activist calendar as well, which is chock full of local and national actions for you to have some educational opportunities. Also, looking for some action, like be part of the solution action? Well, January 19th at 8 p.m. Eastern, join Plan C and If When How for a training on the laws around self-managed abortion telehealth, mail forwarding, and more. It's continuing this amazing conversation we had with even more information. So sign up at aafront.org, plan C-A-B-Cs. That is a mouthful, but it'll be in the show notes. All that stuff will be there. And we are officially off from the pod next week because the March for Life is next week. Boo! Boo! We have some plans to counter their messages of oppression. Highly recommend you follow our social media closely next Friday at Abortion Front. And lastly, join our Patreon. You'll support great content and get cool FBK merch and experiences. All pledges support this pod and all of our activism at Abortion Access Front. Pledge at patreon.com slash feminist buzzkills. We leave you today with a self-appointed leader of Canada First a white supremacist organization led by a dude named Tyler Russell, who shows his whole entire ass when he reveals that he thinks women are just too educated. America right now is so messed up. It's sick. Um, It's one big disease. And, you know, I see this. I see the Taliban banning women from university as a step in the right direction. In the, in the right direction um, to kind of setting the course back straight. Um, and, you know, hey, I've met some cool girls who are, you know, right wing and quote trad and stuff like that who are in college, um, but few and far between.
And the vast majority simply go there to go into debt, to work their Excel spreadsheet job. And they're all being tricked by Jews, basically. So, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Feminist Buzzkills Live, the podcast from Abortion Access Front. When BS is popping, we pop off. New episodes drop Friday. If you want to support our podcast and all the work of Abortion Access Front, like, subscribe, and join our Patreon at patreon.com slash feminist buzzkills.